This episode of the Hometown Hollywood Podcast is brought to you by the original Naki. Have you ever needed to knock on wood only to find that there's no wood available? Well, fear no more because knock knock, who's there? The original Naki. A portable piece of wood that goes wherever you go. This means you no longer have to carry around that cumbersome 2x4, that chainsaw carving of a bear. Don't knock it till you try it, but you can't try it till you knock it. Secure yours today at Naki.co. Welcome to the Hometown Hollywood Podcast, where you can find advice, inspiration, and strategies for success from talented people that are making a name for themselves inside the film industry, but outside of the major film cities. Here's your host, Travis Myers. That was perfect. There's not many people that get a perfect first read, but you, (laughs) the Jake Coletta, have done it. Let's go. Hello, my name is Travis Myers. And this is the Hometown Hollywood Podcast. Today's guest is Jake Coletta, a DP and Steadicam operator in Charlotte, North Carolina. He picked the music for the intro. I thought it sounded like it would fit well in a nature documentary. So here we are. I learned a ton from listening to Jake's story, and I know you will as well. If you are needing some inspiration to progress your own film career, look no further than this interview. In this interview, you'll learn about the history of the Video Village group on Facebook, a terrible mistranslation of his last name, how a workshop in Kentucky can change your life, interning at Caravan, convincing your wife to use your house down payment for a Steadicam, making money in the film industry, music videos with Max Haben and Shade, why I owe Brian French a sonic drink, working with former guest J.P. Summers, Costco road trips, and his experience on the Born of This Earth Toyota racing ad. I know Jake is going to do more amazing work in his career, so if you haven't already, go follow him on social media and watch him kill it in the industry. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did, and I know you're tired of hearing me do this terrible accent. So, let's get right into the show. Well, Jake, thanks for being on the show. I don't know where I found you first, because I feel like I'm kind of new into knowing who's who in this film community. But I think once I found your name, I saw it everywhere. I think uh, you were kind of omnipresent as far as <laughs> <laughs> on filmmaking groups and Instagram. Uh, I think one of my favorite conversations that I just, I guess I'm nosy and I'm a stalker, but I saw you... Uh, there's a lot of black magic bashing uh, comments that I've seen. <laughs> and Me? No. No, I'm on the opposite end. You were defending it faithfully. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate your comments and feedback. And what is your involvement with the Video Village group? Yeah. Um, so Video Village, that's a great question. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people remember, and I mean, it's still floating around. Um, Evan started the Super Secret Film Group. It was like a Facebook group and podcast, awesome resource for filmmakers. Um, a lot of us, I mean, a couple of years ago, got connected through that group, um, maintained some great friendships and um, new industry connections, as well as was an awesome resource for crewing and asking questions. Um, I guess the group was shut down temporarily during a window a couple of years ago. Um, so myself mm-hmm. and a, a couple other filmmakers, um, you know, saw the need for that similar type of group where we could um, yeah, ask questions and help crew and kind of do the exact same thing Super Secret did. But, you know, we, we thought that was such an invaluable tool for so many filmmakers of all caliber and, and all um, different points of their career. So we're like, okay, let's let's keep this going. This was a good thing. Um, so we kind of started, um, as as a few people may know earlier on in the naming process, Rogers Little Deeks was a temporary <laughs> name. Um, Super Secret Group 2.0. And then eventually we just landed at Video Village to keep it simple. Um, but yeah, it's been an awesome resource to connect a um, couple thousand filmmakers together and help people find the right crew and you know make some friends along the way. I think it's one of the best things I found, like the secret treasures of the internet. Uh, <laughs> I, I think when I first, I forgot who introduced me to the group, but my first post I saw, I remember seeing was from uh, Charles Pappert. I think that's how okay. you say his name. Yeah. And he was like, hey, this is, uh, I shot all the Key and Peel sketches 
uh, here's like breakdowns of my favorite ones. And if you have any questions, let me know. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Holy crap. <laughs> you don't find that kind of stuff everywhere. Yeah. So. Charles is a legend, man. Charles is, he's like an OG steady cam operator and incredible DP. He's, he's the real deal. Well, I thank you for your contributions because that's like, that is my favorite group. So now knowing the story of the group makes me appreciate it even more. <laughs> um, Another question I had is, uh, you are Italian? That's it, yep. A da- dad is born and raised in southern Italy. My mom, uh, Newfoundland, Canada. I was uh, born in Montreal. I'm not French-Canadian by any means, but I got a little bit of the uh, the hot and cold aspects uh, in, in my life. I, I, especially in the with the climate, I can get pale as all get out with my Canadian blood and I can get dark when I get me some sun from the Italian side. So a little, a, a bit of both worlds. That's awesome. Well, I was looking at your last name and I was trying to be uh, intelligent and know the meaning of it. And so all I've got is it's the diminutive of the name Cola. So in a terrible translation of several different languages, your last name could mean an extremely or unusually small Soda. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> just the right amount, apparently. <laughs> you know, too much soda is just, you know, too much. This Maybe a like four small ounces. Soda. Four ounce soda, we'll take it all day. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about how the whole interview is going to go. I think, thank Let's you go. for your time. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if I'm, if you can uh, condense that into me being a, a, palatable size of soda for people, then I think, I think this is a win. This is definitely a win. All right, let's get, (laughs) sorry. I can't help myself. Sometimes I asked, I don't know if you heard Ray rushing, but I asked, I asked him if Ray is rushing on set. I was like, that's the worst dad joke I could think of. And I said it first thing. The dad jokes coming out in droves. I've, I've got two kids, so it, it comes. I see that <laughs> your father as well, you and your little happy boy, Milo. Yes, and one on the way. His birthday. One so on the I'm, way. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to catch up to those dad jokes. I, I hear with each kid, they just like, they bolster in strength. So They, they get worse. Yeah. Let's they, go. Um, I'm living proof of that. So let's, um, yeah, happy birthday to Milo. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hopefully this episode comes out pretty soon and that's still relevant. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about the meat of the matter. Where did you get your start, Jake Coletta? Have you always loved filmmaking? Did you find it on happenstance? Did you go to film school? What is the history of Jake Coletta? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so film for me was never something that I was always just like completely entranced with. I feel like a lot of filmmakers can look back and be like, oh, you know, I saw X Spielberg movie here, you know, Jurassic <laughs> Park, you know, and I right. fell in love with filmmaking. That wasn't really the case for me. You know, I, I liked movies as a kid, but it wasn't this completely compelling thing for me. It was just sort of a, a form of entertainment. I feel like many filmmakers as well. I was in the skateboarding world. Okay. And I was not quite as good as some of my friends. So naturally, um, the camera fell in, in my hands. You know, I could ride and keep up, um, but I definitely wasn't on camera worthy. So, uh, you know, classic, you know, JVC Avario or Handycam, Fisheye Lens, um, following your friends around, you know, and that turned into just making some, um, some spoof videos. You know, we would remake scenes from Jackass or I think we, we did a Rocky scene running up my driveway once. So, you know, I, I mentioned I'm not a massive movie fan, but you know, here we are remaking Rocky. Um, so that kind of led into my high school years. Um, I was always the kind of person where if a subject didn't interest me, I didn't really put the effort into it. So for me, sports, you know, gym history was something I enjoyed. Um, and then mm-hmm. arts, um, were kind of classes I put my effort into. And, um, Originally from Montreal, moved to Connecticut. And when, when I was in Connecticut during high school, they had an awesome broadcast program at school. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. And I accidentally um, chasing uh, a girl I had a crush on my freshman year of high school, joined this, the video superlative without <laughs> knowing what it, what it was. And I kind of fell in love with it. Um, 
uh, forgot the girl, fell in love with uh, filmmaking instead, which is, <laughs> I guess, awesome. how it should be, maybe? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, it was a lot more out. news. It worked out great, yeah. It, it was a lot more news-oriented, though. Um, but it got me, you know, behind a computer and learning um, early, like Adobe CS2 and uh, CS3, oh, wow. and then, you know, shooting on these Canon... I don't even remember what cameras they were. There's some sort of Canon camera with uh, mini DVs and, you know, the whole Firewire deal and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, it got me some experience. And then from there, we moved from Connecticut to uh, North Carolina, where I currently reside, like later in my high school years, and kind of continued that filmmaking um, journey, but never really thought anything of it. Um, it was sort of just like a hobby. Um it wasn't till probably my senior year, we started going to a church here in the Charlotte area um, called Elevation. And at the time, um, they were producing some really awesome uh, video content um, by the likes of some super talented filmmakers that you guys have probably heard of. Uh, Jared Hogan, Cody Zanger, um, Jacob Blank, Junior Hernandez. Um, and, it, you know, it was something that was like, wow, okay, people are doing this like as a job what i thought you know i thought filmmaking was this like hobby i didn't know you can make money out of it and for for me like hollywood you know you you've heard the term like oh you know go to hollywood and make movies especially as a kid but yeah. it sounded like this big corporate machine you know this mechanism it wasn't these it wasn't comprised of these individual crew roles which we know it as to be today it was sort of this like Hollywood is this one entity and they make movies. I don't know who they are, but they make movies and they're awesome. Um, <laughs> exactly. So learning that there's a way to, to make money in this industry, I was like, okay, this is awesome. My field of view was still so narrow at the time thinking that it's like, oh, I could work for a church, you know, yeah. not thinking that, you know, the majority of people, uh, some people go to church, some people don't, some people are religious, some aren't. So it's like, oh, there's this whole other world. All I, all I knew was that there was church videos and weddings. And that, <laughs> so naturally it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try uh, weddings. Oh, so yeah. I started shooting some weddings, kind of worked out. Um, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, her family owns and runs a wedding venue. So it was kind of a natural end where I'm like, I'm going to shoot weddings here. Oh, I was god awful at it um <laughs> which i'm sure many people are when they're starting out but man i was a, a special breed of bad um but <laughs> i kept on going at it and got better and through one instance actually um at our church my wife and i did a video when we were dating um for the church uh or i met a filmmaker there by the name of bernardo who uh, since is um, a major um, component and one of the partners over at Caravan um, Production Company here in Charlotte. Okay. And somebody at this wedding I was shooting was like, oh, you know, Bernardo, um, he did this thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, oh, well, he he's working at a production company now. And I'm like, what is a production company? <laughs> and um, I looked them up and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible work. I need to reach out to them and like see if I can learn from them. And I shot an email, was like, hey, I'll do whatever. Like, I just want to learn. Like, filmmaking super cool. I think this is really fun. Like, I just want to learn. Uh, little did I know. Business. Get get me out of the wedding business for <laughs> sure. And at the time, they had just uh, John, the one of the founders of Caravan. He had posted on Twitter, which I didn't know about because I didn't have a Twitter, that they were looking for interns. So it was like kind of divine timing. It was okay. super perfect. Um, and I ended up being one of Caravan's first interns about seven or eight years ago, oh, nice. um, along with another guy. And from there, that sort of springboarded my career. Yeah. So um, from there, I, I interned for about half a year, uh, learned a bunch. I never knew what a C-stand was. I got to learn what a C-stand is. And it's a magical moment. It's a magical moment. It really is, you know, <laughs> hundred hundred different uses, right? Is that what they say? Um, at least. At least. Got to be. Um, and then from there, I contracted at Elevation for half a year and then worked at a editing house for another half of a year, um, which all led to me working full time at a kind of small mom and pop um, full service creative agency right outside of Charlotte for a few years where I really got to cut my teeth and just make mistakes. Um, yeah. It was such a great platform for me just to learn in a safe place where 
you know, there really wasn't a high expectation. We, you know, we wanted to do great work and that the expectation was there, but the ceiling wasn't as, as high as I wanted it to be. Right. So yeah. I, I constantly was wanting to, to learn and grow. And I thankfully I got to do that here, but there came a point where I was like, okay, I think I need to, I need to leave this place um, and learn from people who are a little bit more experienced than me, um, who have more experience on larger sets or, you know, doing different things. So I went freelance and this was 2016. So it's not that long ago. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. young and my career is pretty young as well. But, um, you know, I was recently married at the time, um, about a year in. And, you know, thankfully, my wife has been my number one uh, advocate and best supporter. Um, has always cheered me on, which is so great. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, so I jumped into freelance and I fell flat on my face for about <laughs> six months as I had like no work. Um, oh, I made the awesome decision to go freelance in the holiday season, which at the time I didn't know any better. But a lot of people now know that, you know, holidays can be a little slow. Um, yeah. You know, it's the holidays. People want to be with their families and not working all the time. Um, so yeah, it was a tough time, um, for me and it was a lot of self filled with a lot of self doubt. Not sure if I made the right decision and kind of, you know, some things shifted, uh, in my world and that eventually changed. And I kind of came out of that <laughs> dark season of my life, um, and work started picking up and, you know, I, I reached out to everyone I knew. Um, I had done some freelancing before officially going full-time freelance yeah. and, it's, you know, the name of the game is just like repetition. Like people just need to see your name constantly so they can kind of ingrain it in their head. Like, okay, this is Jake. This is what he does. He's available. This is Jake. This is what he does. He's available. Yeah. And then rinse, repeat. And I had been out of it for, you know, two years at that point. And people were like, oh, like I thought you work a full-time job. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like hire me. I need to be hired. <laughs> so, you know, I PA'd and second day seat a good bit and gripped. I kind of did everything. I was a little bit of a utility person and it wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, DPing was always on the forefront of my mind. That's what I, I, you know, once I learned about the industry fully, I knew that DPing was what I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, paint with a camera and light and, you know, make the camera move in cool ways and, you know, bring a director's vision to fruition. So I, I was trying to figure out the best way to get there. And, you know, a lot of people go the AC route or, you know, the key gripping route or, you know, genie, whatever. I hated AC. I just was yeah. not meant for it. I'm just not a very technical person or rather I just choose not to be. Um, I, I don't find much joy in, you know, the nitty gritty details of all, all the tech. You know, I, I think putting smart people around you, people who are smarter than you is so beneficial because they can generally, you don't have, you can rely on them when something goes to crap, you know, <laughs> you don't yeah, have exactly. to, to problem solve by yourself. Um, so I reached out to some people who I thought would be great to get some work from. Um, I reached out to a gentleman by the name of Dave Svensson, who Dave ended up being an awesome um, mentor and still is an awesome mentor in my life. And he got me into Steadicam. Um, okay. He basically was like, hey, I'm teaching these workshops for Tiffin, these Steadicam workshops. You should check this out. I'm like, I have no idea what Steadicam is. I know what a gimbal is. Like I've used a Ronin. Is it like that? And he's like, kind of, uh, sort of. You should check it out. Um, so I ended up, you know, talking my wife into letting me take this workshop in Kentucky for a few days and learn Steadicam. And I fell in love with it. And then we had an even harder conversation of, hey, I know we're saving up for our first home, but can I use this down payment to buy a Steadicam? <laughs> and oh, wow. yeah, it was, you know, still newly <laughs> married at this time, you know, one to two years in that that's a big conversation to have. But yeah, you know, like no I mentioned, kidding. my wife's been a huge advocate for me and she believed in me and she's like, you know, hey, if you think this is going to be good for you and a good investment, then like, yeah, let's do it. So I jumped into Steadicam and haven't looked back and it's been an awesome what, four or five years doing that. Again, not super long as an operator or working in the industry, but it gave me an option outside of ACing or working in G&E to work with talented directors, work with experienced and talented DPs and learn from them while still having some semblance of a creative decision-making process and moving the camera around. So it, it allowed me to get closer even um, yeah. than I normally would. And naturally, Steadicam just tends to be on a little bit of larger sets, a little bit more budget. So I got to really soak in how a lot of these jobs, whether commercial, music video, or narrative, 
documentary, whatever, how, how they're how they're done. And it's been so invaluable. And that's kind of taken me <laughs> into these past few years. Um, you know, I kind of did some shooting on the side as a DP, but never really anything where I could hang my hat on and be happy about until the past couple of years as I've started kind of making that transition more so into solely a DP who is able to study cam versus yeah. just study cam or just DP. I like being able to have this tool at my disposal because, you know, there are sometimes not, there are projects where you can't always afford a study cam operator. Um, so being able to be confident enough in my abilities to say, hey, like, yeah, I'll do this. Even just having the knowledge to speak into Steadicam shots in general, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's been invaluable. Yeah, I think that definitely makes you more valuable when you, oh, I, I can light it and make it look awesome, but I can also Steadicam. So I'm like, I'm a multiple trick pony here. That's what I'm trying <laughs> to say. That's awesome. Um, I was I was going to ask you, like, how did you get into Steadicam? Because that doesn't seem like something you could just... Um, I think I'll just buy one and start doing it. Yeah, that's the tricky thing with Steadicam is like, I mean, people just, you just don't, they don't rent them out because they're so personalized to the individual operator. Right. It's not something where you can, you know, go on ShareGrid or, you know, Adorama or, you know, it just, like, your local rental house does not carry a Steadicam more than likely. If they do, I would be very wary of it. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> it's so personalized. So it's something where operators don't want to rent it out. So it's either you, know someone who's a Steadicam operator who you learn from them or you take a workshop and you kind of go in blind and you may love it, you may hate it. At first, it's honestly kind of a love-hate because again, like anything you do for the first time, you're bad at it. <laughs> it takes a <laughs> lot of practice. You're just not good. And you see, you know, I saw operators like Dave and, you know, other talented operators. I'm like, oh my goodness, like that looks so easy. They're, they're so good. Like, yeah. surely it can't be that hard. And then you get behind a rig and you wear it for five minutes and you're trying to walk and think and compose a shot and also you know pan the camera while watching where you're stepping <laughs> and all these these variables are kind of flying through your head at the same time and you just are a hot mess um, <laughs> but you know repetition and practice makes perfect that's amazing i um uh, i've been working on this short film for like two years now. And not that it's we've been shooting it constantly for two years. Uh, the director of it saw 1917. It's like, oh, we need to do a one-take thing like 1917 in the middle of it. What would it take to do it? It's like, well, you'd probably need like a <laughs> Airy Trinity. <laughs> it's like, okay, how can you do that? So I found some DIY solutions. And so uh, but you're probably going to, it's going to kill you. But like the... Um, Pro aim, <laughs> nice, whatever gimbal, Steadicam, knockoff. Yeah. And then I was planning on putting an RS2 on top of it. <laughs> Let's go. And uh, I can't even balance the. I, I don't even know what it's called. It's such a knockoff. Red sure. King something. It's a knockoff. I can't even balance that with just the camera. So uh, I'm realizing this plan is not <laughs> not going to work <laughs> out exactly how I want it. So I have. A huge respect for somebody who can just balance, who can just balance the daggum thing. Hey, well, uh, kudos for trying, man. Honestly, I'm a big I'm a big believer of getting the job done. You know, whatever tools you have at your disposal. I know, I know. We, earlier on, you're talking about seeing me on a forum or something defending black magic or a light or two, and you know, that's just really my philosophy. Is like, you know, use what you have at your disposal. Filmmaking yeah. is is an art, and art is totally subjective. And if you can get an end product using practicals versus you know this quality of light or this you know black magic 6k camera versus uh an alexa mini like more power to you i think everyone's at different journeys and different spots in their life and that's the beauty of it is everybody can make something no matter where they're at yeah well i appreciate it if i ever get it working i'll send you a picture <laughs> please do now i'm excited i would love to see that you talked a little bit about gear are you a gear guy do you Besides your steady cam, are you an accumulator of things? I am. I definitely accumulate. Um, you know, we, it's funny because we actually just closed on a new house. Uh, we're probably moving at the end of the month. And the biggest reason being that I just need more space for gear. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad problem to have. You know, I currently have a, spa a garage, but it's not very climate controlled. And so, yeah, no, I definitely collect gear. I have some lights and camera lenses. Um, and that's something where I, I, I know some people don't like to 
work as a rental house, if that makes sense, where they're just constantly running out to production. I, on the other hand, am a big proponent of that. Um, I think uh, a big side of the film world is, you know, the business side. We're essentially small businesses and, you know, working as contractors, I'm always trying to figure out like, what's the best way I can provide for my family. I feel like it's something that's not often talked about finances, but it's like so important. It's like, yeah, you want to create art and do what you love. At the same time, you need to live and like provide for your family. So I think gear rentals is a good investment, um, depending on where you're at and what you do in the industry and in your career. Um, so a camera made sense for me. I own an Alexa 43 plus. It was kind of my first delve into owning an airy camera. I've had that for a few years. Hmm. You know, I wanted to shoot some more passion projects and spec stuff for, you know, my own works and be proud of what I was putting out and the quality of it. So, uh, I went that route, you know, same exact sensor as a mini. It's a little heavier. Um, yeah. so no biggie. Is that the Alexa yeah. classic? It's yeah, exactly. Familiar. The four three plus is in the classic line. Yeah, okay. they, they have so it's like when Red first came out, they had a million names for all these different bodies that they're pretty much the same thing with small tweaks. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's the same thing as the mini. It does all that high speed anamorphic license four three just. Uh, just gonna blow out your back is the only other difference. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got that guy. I have. I'm, I'm looking around right now, trying to take inventory. I have some wireless transmitters. Um, I have a Hudson Spiderlight Redback. Um, some. Okay, tubes. those look cool. Yeah, they're awesome. I mean, I travel a lot, so having a singular light that I can, you know, wheel on the plane and it all lives in a contained package, it's super beneficial. Um, you know, it's like a parabolic light, what they say. So it's right. great shape. And it's, if, if you need a single light for an interview or it's a single light for something, it's a great option. Um, then outside of that, just some, you know, some monitor and camera AKS to get uh, my camera up and running. And then, yeah, the Steadicam. How do you decide when something is a good investment? I've I've made some pretty bad investments, like probably my knockoff Steadicam thing that I've talked about. <laughs> but how do you know when... It's a good one or it's the right decision. Yeah. For me, I find if I'm renting something out a lot um, and it's on a project that I am I know where I could get that rental myself, then it's a good investment for me. There's some things that won't really return much of an ROI um, financially uh, outside of just personal use. So like, like, you know, personal onboard monitor, that doesn't really get much rentability outside of me just having a monitor that I can trust. So it's more so a quality of work for me, knowing that I have something I can use and trust versus, you know, having a camera that I know I could rent out, um, which the camera has ended up being an awesome ROI for me there. And, you know, same with the Hudson Spiderlight and uh, the wireless transmitter. It's just, it's items that I find are super commonly rented, either personally or outside of that. You know, if you have some friends who want to rent some gear from you, or if you want to rent it or sublet it through a, a rental house, you know, more power to you. But these things have all been items that I've found I've needed um, on a very frequent basis. So it just made sense for me. I appreciate that. Uh, you probably, if nobody else gets benefit from that. I know I will because I mm-hmm. need to stop wasting my money on things that don't work. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about, speaking of work, let's talk about some of your work. Um, cool. I think it'd be hard to get out of this conversation without talking about the shade trampoline uh, music video, but I also yeah. have some ones that maybe I enjoy more than others because I'm more of a, I really enjoy product commercials which yeah. is some people don't enjoy those, but like the Ferris mowers video. That's, yeah. I love that one. And the Lowe's uh, commercial with the paint spray paint. One, one of my dreams is to do funny product videos as a living or that's yeah. either that. write them or direct them or shoot them, just be involved with them. And so for some reason I really enjoy product stuff. So while I hear a lot of people say like, Oh, uh, just a toothpaste ad or a mayonnaise commercial. I was like, I would love to do a mayonnaise commercial. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's let's talk about the shade trampoline. How did that come to be? So Max Haben, who directed those, awesome dude, great friend. Um, he reached out originally for me to do Steadicam on. I believe it was Silver Knife was the first project. We had some mutual friends, um, and it's kind of those things. There's six degree separation in the film world where you know a friend does a friend and vice versa. I've been noticing that with you and 
like, oh, you have a picture with Wilson and JP. And, yeah, uh, yeah, Every exactly. single person I've interviewed pretty much is <laughs> you've worked with. Yeah, they're all <laughs> such great people. But Max reached out, um, and I did study cam on Silver Knife and sort of DP'd it as well. Um, it was an awesome uh, experience, just kind of a pretty nitty-gritty project. Like, we went down to this creek and, uh, you know, the Baltimore, Virginia, D.C. area, and... Um, yeah, shot this music video and the concept was cool and it evolved into doing another one, which was the trampoline video um, where there wasn't a ton of budget um, behind it, but more so we just had great creative and willing. we were just willing to invest in it. The project actually, I'm sure probably a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of the crew roles, like it was basically a passion project. Like a lot of people didn't get paid. Some people got paid, but not a lot of people. Um, and it was just one of those things where we believed in the artist um, and believed in the track. And it, you know, it paid off because they're now flying. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard the song. So it was yeah, a really was cool one at one point. Yeah, absolutely wild. Um, and they're the sweetest people. Um, Max Spencer and Chelsea, who are shade, they're just very down to earth, creative individuals. They were just really about the creative process as well. And But they might kinda, stab you. Yeah, the, they might they might stab knife. you with a silver knife. That's right. <laughs> were, were you ever back. afraid for your life during that shoot? That's one question I had. Because um, he was going crazy with that knife. She's flinging it. Out. Yeah, it it was moving for sure. We dulled <laughs> it up a lot for that exact reason. It wasn't as it wasn't sharp. Uh, we made sure of that. But there definitely were times where I stepped into a creek with a steady cam where I was scared for my life outside of the knife. Uh, knife. Oh reasons. yeah, I bet. I didn't yeah, think about that aspect. Of no, it it was awesome though. Um, and shade. The trampoline video just was so much fun, had such a great team. I think the video speaks for itself. It was just, yeah, it's something that's, you know, I think often people look back at their work and you can easily look back and be like, oh, why did I make that decision? Or why did I do this? And I'm sure there are some little details that would have changed or done differently. But for me, it really holds up. And it's something that I'm still really proud of to this day. Um, we're constantly changing as creatives. So I think it's, there's that a limit to how much you look back and <laughs> regret <laughs> projects and decision, decisions you've made. But I think there's a healthy amount of looking back and being like, okay, I would have done this different or, you know, I've grown X amount since then, but no, I'm definitely really proud of that project. That's awesome. So how did you meet Max Haven? He just knew you from, like you were saying earlier, Jake Coletta, he's a Steadicam operator or he's a DP. Was that kind yeah. of the thing? Yeah, that was really it. Um, and at the time, it definitely was more steady cam operated than DP. Um, it was sort of, I think that's the earliest of me. It's like the earliest of my efforts really trying to do more DP work. Um, I was confident enough in my steady cam at that time where I'm like, okay, like let's see if I can kind of dip my toes in some DP work as well. Um, so that was the conversation on Silver Knife was basically like, oh, hey, I also DP. It's like, oh, Okay, cool. Because you know, not everybody knows that. I, I didn't really advertise as that. Um, I was more so steady cam, and then it evolved uh, into this, you know, trampoline video. And Max is one of those projects where, at the time, I felt like I was given a lot more freedom than I was used to, in the sense of, you know, this person's really trusting me with this project. Like they believe in what I can do, and they're giving me that capability to kind of spread my wings, which was so valuable for me and such a confidence booster, honestly, because it's so easy as creatives to be self-doubting of our yeah. work, of our decision-making, of so many variables. So um, it's actually funny. I just posted the other day, just like I was having a down day, just, you know, doubting myself as a creative, which so many of us do, or just, you know, being down on your work. But it was really moments like that where you have someone who trusts you enough to be like, hey, like I know this is tight budget, but like I'm gonna give you this so you can really flourish because I believe that you have what it takes to to make this awesome. Um, and so that was so monumental. Um, it was a, definitely a big point in my career where I can look back and be like, wow, like I'm I'm grateful for Max and for the team and everyone who came alongside of us to make that video what it was. I mean, it was a team effort. Yeah. I think that's a big part of, I mean, obviously it's a big part of filmmaking is connections you have, but it seems like everybody that I've interviewed, um, they always have some part of their story where they're like, well, somebody took a chance on me. I know that networking or maybe a lot of people don't like the word networking. Like it sounds sure. like a negative thing, but just <laughs> yeah. connecting with others is such an important part. 
Um, do you have like a strategy or method or a philosophy of how to meet people that are doing awesome stuff? Um, naturally, I'm just an extrovert. Um, I love to meet people and to chat and hear their story and um, just connect. I'm very much so like if I'm you know, running to the grocery store to Costco, I'll text a friend and be like, Hey, what are you doing? You want to come to Costco with me? <laughs> you know, I, I just would prefer to be around people than not. Um, when driving, driving long distances drives me absolutely insane. Partly because oh, yeah. I get bored in the car, but you know, if there's someone not with me, I'm just like, uh, this is the worst. <laughs> so I'm, I'm generally, if, if you get a call from me ever and I just want to chat, um, it's probably because I'm driving somewhere and I just want <laughs> to talk with someone. Um, so yeah, just naturally I, I lean towards just wanting to meet people and have a conversation. Um, and that kind of is conveyed through a lot of social media platforms. You know, I think Video Village has been a great resource for that and Facebook in general, but you know, Instagram as well. I'm a believer in the old uh, ways of cold calling as well, which I know a lot of people oh, wow. don't really do that much anymore. But when I was freelancing, I mean, I don't do that as much anymore, uh, thankfully. But when I was starting out freelance, I reached out to every person who was even remotely related to the film world. And I just, you know, oh, you're a PA or you work in crafty. I don't care. I'm shooting you a contact. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let you know that I'm out here and I want to, I want to work because you never know who is going to do what and who knows who and you know one project might lead to another and that's definitely the case yeah. it's the name of the game right is this um one thing leads to another and some one person sees one body of work and that leads to another and then that branches out from there and the pattern repeats itself so yeah i love getting coffee with people i love getting coffee and anybody especially if they're new to the industry like i, I didn't go to film school i self-taught so to speak i learned from those who are more experienced and done it before me so i love to reciprocate that um and and pass along what i can uh whether whether it's work or you know, the little knowledge I've accrued along the way and through my failures, I just love to, I love to give that back. Having a coffee or a drink or lunch, whatever is a great way to do that for me. That's cool. I think I, I've noticed that a little bit because when I was searching through some of probably your more older stuff, I was looking at the credits and I was like, wow, I know those names and those names and those names. And they're all like PAs or grips on this job. And they're like, mm -hmm. I know they've, they're now like directing incredible stuff. Yeah. So I guess that speaks true. You never know. I think Dylan Hahn. Yeah. I don't know him, but I know his work. And I think he was a PA on one of the things that you, maybe a grip or something like that. I don't yeah, want to credit him wrong. But... Yeah. No, Dylan's the man. Dylan. Yeah. Great example of Dylan's just one of those people though, that like, I think he gripped on, um, it was a short film I did a couple of years back where he's just a team player. He's just like so willing. He didn't need to do it. Like Dylan's so stupid talented, <laughs> but it was a situation where like, we just need like homies on set, you know, we just need hands. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like being a good hang on set is so important. So having Dylan around is, is so invaluable because he's such a good sport and a good team player and awesome personality, but is also just an incredibly talented director. Um, and I, you know, since I, I don't, I'm not sure if he does much of that work anymore outside of maybe for some friends, low key. But he, yeah, check out Dylan Hans' work because it's incredible. I think he just dropped a new music video actually that Brian French shot, and it's wonderful. Yeah, I owe making it public because I have to. Uh, give it back but I met uh, Brian on a shoot in Dallas that I just volunteered for for Matthew Rojas yeah and I was supposed to get them Sonic and so I went <laughs> on the drink run and I got everybody's drinks except yes. for Brian's oh no and it was a strawberry strawberry limeade I think and uh I forgot his and I felt like oh man I have let him down. And so we had a break in between the sets and I went back to Sonic. I got myself a corn dog <laughs> and I got him <laughs> I got him a strawberry. Well, you may take that back. I I got his drink again. Or I didn't get it the first time, but I got it. I tried to make amends, but he was busy doing something, so I set it down. I was going to give it to him in a little bit. Turns out somebody knocks it over. <laughs> oh my goodness. Before no. I could give it to him. And so I tried to work it out, and I failed miserably again. It was just splattered it's all a, over the ground. It's a thought that counts, right? Yeah, I guess. But it's still, it's it's even worse when he could like see it there. Like, hey man, I tried to get it for you. Uh, there's your drink. 
here's a here's a straw. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. uh, you might get some some gravel in there. Uh, anyway, that's funny. Yeah, Brian's super talented. Brian's a good guy. I saw the I saw the video. It looks great. And uh, every time I hear his name, I think strawberry limeade. Uh, <laughs> we'll start a GoFundMe after this. Everybody, um, <laughs> check out the link in the bio. Uh, we're getting a GoFundMe to get Brian um, a slushy. <laughs> If that's, you know, the podcast will do some good. If this is what it's for, if this was what I've been called to make the podcast for, is to get Brian his slushy, then... This is the culmination. This is it. This is it. This might be the last episode. Uh, end on a good one. Okay. I'm sorry. The Ferris Mowers ad, I think that one looks perfect. Like, I feel... I don't know much about the project, but I feel like they got way more than they probably asked for. <laughs> because that looks like it puts ESPN documentaries to shame. I think it looks beautiful. Appreciate it. Uh, tell us more about that project and maybe like lens and lighting packages. Because it, I don't know. I love it. It looks good. You did awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. That was a fun one. Um, that was actually a project where I had to shoot red, which is not a problem. <laughs> but I definitely lean a little bit. You know, everyone has a preference. I don't think there is a right or a wrong. It's just all personal preference. And for me personally, I lean airy. Uh, I just like the color science a little bit better. Um, but I had to shoot red on that one. I was a little apprehensive. It was a Gemini. Um, okay. We shot, yeah, red Gemini with um, Cook Classics on it. And yeah, I wasn't super stoked until I started shooting. I hadn't shot on the Gemini per se. I had shot in the Monstro. Um, and some of the earlier models, and I just wasn't really in love with the look. Um, but this LUT combo paired with the Gemini itself, I really actually enjoyed. I was very surprised, and I'll still to this day say that I'm. If it's a Gemini, we're we're good, we're cool. I li- I like what it's got to offer. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. It's a project where I'm I'm super stoked on. Um, on Ferris, believe it or not, uh, that was all available light. Um, we just had a really? modifier. Yeah, we just had a single, um, I think it was just like a, a four by of highlight um, cutting down just the, the hard bite of the sun. I don't even think, you know, maybe I think we just had a bounce um, skipping some sunlight into the trailer bed for one of the shots i think of the of the the older gentleman the dad um during that interview but the majority was just blocking um just really finding the right spot time of day kind of was what it was it was later in the morning so it wasn't super toppy so it wasn't like high noon but it was it was getting there so the sun was starting to get pretty intense so we used that highlight to take a some of that bite off of the sun and then we want to see inside the the back of that trailer a little bit and see the, the mower so we just had a skip bounce returning some of the sun back in there and then the rest was just let the let mother nature do her thing you know wow okay that's that's surprising but also super cool so just nowhere to put people and uh Use a little bit of shower curtain every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, if you have the, if you have the tool and it works for you, like go for it. Like you said, you'd love to be a part of a a, a mayonnaise commercial or you know any sort of product commercial. I I love commercials. The commercial world is where I want to live, and, uh, and I think a lot of people want to jump into feature work and narrative, and that's their thing, and that's awesome. For me, I never really had that bug. Uh, maybe eventually that will change, but I, I yeah. just love commercials. I think there's something fun about them. I love the variety. And this Ferris spot specifically um, was kind of a cool mixture of this, a bit of like a follow doc and a product spot at the same time, yeah. where we're really highlighting this um piece of equipment and these Ferris motors and these like top of the line lawnmowers, which I had know nothing about, but I had quickly learned. Yeah, now um, I want one. <laughs> yeah. I don't dude, need one, but I want one. They're they're incredible. They're machines. They're uh they're a piece of engineering uh, it's a marvel really, but they're also so expensive. So unless you're ready to drop like close to 10k on a lawnmower then uh, i'd probably look at a john deere or something because i know i definitely could i have a big yard but i can never justify it um but yeah man it was it was a really fun spot i was really able to have again a solid group of friends who are incredible industry professionals alongside of us and the team over at usa today out of new york steve uh it was just he's an awesome director and had a great vision and 
uh, it was such a good time. We kind of had all we needed to, to make this shoot awesome. It was tough because we shot in the wintertime <laughs> and oh. yards don't grow a ton um, in the wintertime. So we had a, the challenge of making sure we could leave it as ambiguous as possible um, and finding the right plush yard that needed to be mowed and do all that good stuff. But it was fun, man. It was really fun. Finding the right yard. That's probably very difficult. That's, that was in North Carolina as well. North Carolina, yeah. We shot that like uh, two locations, and I think both were pretty much near. Uh, it's called um, Lake Norman over here. It's a body of water where a lot of NASCAR pros live and it's a nicer part of uh, it's North Charlotte, but it had some great some great landscape and worked to our favor. Living in North Carolina has got to be because the next project I want to talk about was um, the Born of the Earth Toyota racing commercial. But if you want to shoot car stuff, North Carolina seems to be a good place to be. I have some family in Statesville. Okay, so yeah, we we went not too long ago, and they were like pointing out, oh, there's NASCAR driver lives there and uh, <laughs> there's another one lives over there and like wow this is this is crazy your so, north carolina uh, accent is spot on too might i oh add. thanks <laughs> it's not much different than my texas accent but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it really is a, it's a it's a car world over here for sure like just south of statesville like mooresville area where a lot of that world lives um yeah tons of car shops for nascar and a lot of you know like toyota racing and hendrix automotive group and all these um, these car companies are, are over here. And yeah, it's great, especially for someone like me who loves to do car spots. Um, it's it's awesome. All right. So Born of the Earth, your Toyota racing commercial. Yes. Uh, that looks awesome. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. I feel like those kind of ads, I'm going to have to like find a way to illegally download or something so I can play it frame by frame to see what's happening because there's a lot of like movement and small fine details and stuff that I know I'm yeah. missing but tell us more about that project from start to finish because I'm interested yeah. in every bit of it <laughs> so again that was a project where um, I, I felt it's one of those projects where I can look back and be like okay and it still currently is my favorite project that I, I've been able to do and I'm so grateful for it um, it was an, a project where I had someone again who believed in me and kind of was like, "Hey, I, you know, I would love for you to do this thing, you know." And um, Ben and Eric and Erica over at Whatnot Films—they're a, a local production company here, super talented, awesome, awesome friends. Ben is an incredible DP who's been jumping into more directing lately, and he reached out and was like, "Hey, do you want to do this thing?" And it was like really my first delve into a true car spot. I had done some uh, Russian arm type work on a music video, um, and that was fun. It was really fun. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't really a, a car spot. I probably made it more into a car spot <laughs> than it needed to be <laughs> on that music video, just because I had the the toys to play with. Yeah, but as well. yeah, born was was really special it was a group of friends again you know i think if you have the right people around you and you enjoy working with them keep on keep on doing it um and i had some great friends on that project and um the creative was awesome you know ben had mentioned that this was toyota and nascar's first running a dirt track since 30 or 50 years uh, many years i'm not sure they don't really remember the exact specifics so they really wanted to make this special um, so this idea of Born of the Earth was this homage to Mother Nature, and our VO is kind of resembling of that. We have a little bit of a more gravelly voice of our of our reader, um, and we were pairing a lot of these abstract macro shots of various terrains and Earth uh, along with the dirt, and then of course uh, this you know Toyota NASCAR just barreling through and. We really wanted to capture speed and also a little bit of um, chaos in the moment because yeah. dirt, you know, gravel is, it's loose. You know, a lot can happen. It's not, you know, you don't have the luxury of uh, asphalt tarmac where you have a little bit more control. So um, that was conveyed through a lot of camera shake, uh, in camera and post, um, and then some split diopters to really bring some interest in a lot of those macro shots um and then our camera movement 
um, tools are really crucial. And the guys over at VidMuse, Mike Gentili and his crew did incredible work via cable cam and uh, Motocrane Ultra, um, uh, Motocrane Arm and uh, Black Arm and uh, Heavy Lift Drone. I mean, they have all they have all the tools. Oh, wow. So it was it was an awesome collaboration of again some friends and good creative and it it paid off i think it's a really fun spot i think it's really cool yeah i think so as well um one quick thing i was going through your your work i noticed the bring the music back with jp yeah uh is that the same voiceover lady oh you know it it might be um i think she has a great voice (laughs) <laughs> yes. So that's, um, oh, what is her name? Kelly Solis, I believe. She and I think her husband are also, uh, they're musicians, they're artists, and they're on okay. music bed. Um, oh. I cannot remember. It's maybe it's like We Are Solis or something. Solis. Yeah, it's just Solis. Uh, S O L I S. Their work is awesome. And she has an incredible quality of her voice um, that just works yeah, so well a- for so many things. She's got a rhythm to it, which makes sense now that I know that she does music. But I thought that was interesting. I think I played the videos right back to back. Like, oh, wait a minute. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a quite a, there's quite a few videos out there. I think some of Elevation's older work as well. Um, I'm pretty sure she's used a good bit because she's so good. Well, that'll be one of my goals to get her voice on one of my videos. There on you my go. mayonnaise commercial. <laughs> <laughs> The voice of Kelly Solis, Duke's Mayo. <laughs> That's awesome. That'd be the dream. How was working with uh, JP? Oh man, so great. I love JP. Um, we this is that that was actually like our third or fourth project working together. Um, my first as like a DP to him, which was really cool. Um, I think it's it's fun when you get to work with directors who come from the DP world because yeah. they can speak a lot more into the creative from a framing perspective and lighting, which I'm sure some people wouldn't like if they're DPs and they're like, Hey, you know, let me do my thing. You know, trust me, (laughs) which I definitely, I definitely got a lot of trust from JP. You know, he let me play and find some things, but at the same time he knew what he wanted, which at the end of the day, I think a DP's job is to make their director happy. And then the director is to make the client happy. And it's kind of this, uh, high hierarchy based system. And it, yeah, it was awesome. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's always a good time hanging with JP and he's a super, super talented person. So um, I love seeing him jump into directing and um, that world. Was that more of a, I don't know, was that kind of like you find the shots on the day or did they set up that concert just for the commercial? Oh no, that was completely documentary. Yeah, that was on the day. Okay. It was really like, I guess it was the first live um, concert that was, I'm, I mean, maybe oh, in the wow. U.S. Um, it was Florida. I mean, it's Florida. So Florida's been pretty much open. Same with Texas. And I Florida think, just does what they want. Yeah, Florida just kind of <laughs> does what they want. And this was the first concert for Florida. So it was a big deal um, kind of, you know, bringing the music back. So um, it was very much so on the fly, just – what we got is what we got. And, you know, I think I'm, I'm super happy with what we were able to capture and uh, how reactive we were to a lot of things. Again, it, I mean, it was a small crew. Um, myself, JP, Chase, who's an awesome dude out of uh, Louisiana, one of JP's good friends, and then uh, a sound uh, sound person. And that was really it. It was just us four. And we were running around and um, got some magic. That's so cool. Okay, I'm going to shift back, go back to uh, Born of the Earth. After watching that commercial, I think, you know what? I think I made the right decision not to be or to really pursue being a director because if I were to make an ad about going back to Dirt Track, it would say, Toyota Racing is going back to the Dirt Track. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, man, that was such a beautiful way to present it. What did it look like? being the dp for born of the earth were you basically were you hands-on with the camera i know you are a steady cam operator uh were you hands-on with it or were you basically in a position to tell uh okay we need cable cam we need car cam was it more of a laid-back experience i guess 
Yeah. So I'm a big believer. Um, I mentioned it earlier, just like having the right crew around you, people who are awesome what they do, but are also great to to have on set. I mean, if you're going to be around somebody, somebody for 10 plus hours at times, um, you better enjoy them or else it's going to be miserable for everyone. <laughs> um, so yes. our crew was so awesome, great friends. Um, and they're just so good at what they do. Um, I love having people who are smarter than me at what they do around me so I can lean on them and specifically Vidmuse and their crew. They, you know, they've done this type of thing before. Uh, I love being able to put the ball in the, you know, in, in the field of, uh, the individual who is the experienced professional, what they're doing. So if I hire a Steadicam operator, like, yeah, though I Steadicam operate and I can speak into things a little bit more. So like, I'm going to let them do what they do best because, you know, you pick that individual based on their skill set and what they're good at. And same yeah. thing with, with Vidmuse, you know, I, I knew that they're, um, they've done a lot of car spots uh, as well as, you know, many other commercials. And uh, I think they even worked on, you know, Venom uh, over in Atlanta. So, you know, oh, they're, wow. they're experienced professionals. So I lean on them a lot. You know, I'd have a couple notes if I wanted to see something specific, but for the most part, like 90% of that was really them. And, you know, dialing cameras outside of exposure and look, that, that's really it. Having a team that you can lean on. I'm sure a lot of people would, would love to take the credit to be like, oh yeah, that was all me. And maybe some of it is, maybe there are those DPs who um, specifically want to control camera, um, you know, the remote head. Uh, maybe they have the experience doing that. Myself, I'm not the most experienced with that. Like I, I don't, I haven't worked the wheels much, or even you know, even on yeah. a controller. And so, but I know that these folks have done it so many times, and more than that, they know how to communicate and get the shot that they need between the driver, you know, the camera operator, um, and you know, the arm um, operator. So they have their synergy already. So I didn't want to jump in there and disrupt that, especially we were. We were pretty time crunched on a lot of it. We actually had a couple car problems um, oh, where wow. I can't even remember what the specific issue was, but basically our car could have died at any time. Oh my <laughs> like gosh! Some, something was was like broken in in the car itself, um, or like something snapped, and it could have just like not turned on. Um, but it's like a stock a stock car. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like an actual NASCAR. That wouldn't have been good for the ad if it was Toyota yeah, racing. <laughs> Toyota racing car stalls. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Um, which, yeah, hopefully I'm allowed to say that. But yes, we had a car It was issue. a fluke. It was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're barreling down a, an uneven dirt road. And that's just kind of part of the, you know, part of the job was like, <laughs> we don't know what can happen, you know. So with that being said as well, like we were I'm making sure if sure. the pit crew was there, it would be fine. Yeah, exactly. We didn't. Well, yeah, we needed a pit crew, honestly, on the day. But, you know, we were making sure we were in safe distances and we were safe behind Plexi the whole time because, you know, with it being on uneven terrain and trees everywhere, we want to be as safe as possible. But, yeah, kind of going back to your original question, uh, definitely just leaned on the experience of, of talented crew. So how many days was the shoot? You said you were rushed with it. Yeah, this was a two-day spot. Um, okay. We went a whole day on that first dirt road where all that smoke's billowing. Um, so there was a lot of uh, cable cam and a lot of, uh, I think, black arm there specifically because we just we I think we wanted to do the moto crane arm, but just knowing how tight the corridor of that dirt road was it just didn't feel safe we didn't really have yeah. the the latitude to swing that arm so it made sense just to do a black arm which worked out great um and then the second day was at the rock quarry um where we um it honestly felt very otherworldly especially in that last shot where we're uh dolling back on the drone to reveal or it's not even really reveal it's just dolling back on on this three-quarter shot of the car and we have this big mound behind us and it just feels different. I don't know. It doesn't feel yeah. like it's something you would see commonly. Um, I guess many people don't generally go to a rock quarry, honestly, but uh, it was great. It was, uh, they're awesome locations and we were able to get what we needed and it worked out awesome. Well, I think it looks awesome. I think your work is great. Uh, I have like 700 projects that I could continue asking you about, uh, <laughs> like the, 
the Lowe's spot uh, and the Tech Unicorn. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Awesome. Um, but uh, I would encourage the listeners to go watch that stuff. And then what do you think the best way for our listeners to connect with you? What would that be? Yeah. Um, follow me on Instagram, I guess. Um, I'm pretty active on there. Feel free to shoot me a DM if you have any questions. Uh, it's just Jake Coletta, first and last name. Um, yeah, look forward to hearing from any of you. Or no one, you know, follow your heart. <laughs> well, I'll follow you. I'll unfollow you just to follow you again. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> All righty. Well, the Jake Coletta, thank you for being on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Travis. I appreciate it. And that's it. Thanks for listening. You're probably thinking, he's still doing that accent thing. Why, yes. Yes, I am. I'm committed. I hope this episode helps you do great work, be the artist you want to be, and helps you to not be afraid to jump in with both feet and make things happen in your film community. Be sure to follow Jake on his Instagram and website. Feel free to send him a DM and show him some love, because he definitely deserves it. I'll leave a bunch of links in the show notes so you can find his amazing work. As stated in the previous episode, I hired a hip-hop rapper to tell you what to do after listening to the show, and I need to get my money's worth. You know what to do! Go to iTunes! You better get all your homies to leave some reviews! Yep. Thanks to all you home dogs for listening and sharing. Be sure to stay tuned for our next awesome guest on the Hometown Hollywood Podcast.